Dude, I played laser tag today for the first time in like 20 what? years. Dude, that's dope. Laser tag still goes hard. It's been, it's been four or five years since I've played it, but I remember that like playing it for the first time in 20 years feeling and it being like, why haven't us and our friends of our age been doing this the entire time? Yeah. And also, <laughs> is there is there not like a laser tag place in Portland for adults like that has cocktails and there's gotta be there there's should not. be it's there it's should be portland should have been the city that invented that yeah so if you could have like drinking while you laser tag that yes. would be fun yeah, oh, like yeah. You strap it on on your vest is also a pouch that you can put pour a cocktail into and then it has a, <laughs> has a straw your like la- a your lasers grow like in strength yeah. the mo- the mo- the more you drink out of that camelback the stronger your lasers get so you can score more points oh. yes. just so don't bring incentive. your lasers into Reeser stadium i tried to do that with a camelback <laughs> and it did not work out <laughs> they caught me They yeah, no, you. no. They uh, they asked you what was in your camelback, and you said, "Uh, whiskey." <laughs> <laughs> it was Evan Williams, the better Evan Williams. I smoked pot with Evan Williams. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, love love that Evan. But yeah, it was my kids. It was my kid's seventh birthday party, so I was Heck out there. Yes. Heck yes! I was happy out there birthday, just... Mini Bebe. Yeah, thank you. Happy birthday, Mini Bebe. I was out there just. Sniping these kids, man. They were running around in groups, and it was bam, 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 bam. You know, like six in a row. I was oh, yeah. in first place on my team every time. Wait, were you? <laughs> were you playing against kids? Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how many other adults were like in in the arena? I don't know, like two. You? Okay. <laughs> that's that's fine. There was like twenty five kids and two adults. It, it was like the original. What's what's that first person? first person shooter game where you play online and then they'll have like a leaderboard of who halo who did like so maybe calm. it's a couple so yeah calm. oh yeah so calm was, like so was three call of duty so calm was that first game that came with a headset that i know you guys or at least jp recorded a yeah. number of rap songs on freshman year of college. I don't know no. that exact oh, yeah, number, in but, college, yeah. but I know it's not zero, and I also know it's not one. I also did in high school. Repurposing <laughs> a SOCOM Navy SEALs game mic <laughs> as a rap mic. That probably is the most gangster shit you've ever done. Like, yeah. authentically gangster shit. And That's even in college, dope. even in college, it was if you recall the the little like mesh guard on it was so destroyed that i had to like tape it up with thin strips of electrical tape to keep it intact it was it was sounds like me yeah it was it was definitely gangster <laughs> that's awesome that's gangster as hell yeah well guys i feel like we have an impossible amount of shit to touch on there's so much there wasn't a day that we didn't have oregon state news let's keep bullshitting for another 45 minutes yeah let's start talking i i mentioned how much news there is and jp went dark instantly i know i'm back (laughs) (laughs) does it not feel like the last time we talked was like six years ago it felt like it it's been maybe the longest week ever 
ever, uh, ever, ever. Yeah, ever. But not without its its fun things. I, I honestly, I think I feel pretty good about the state of the world in regards to our fair team right now. Me too. Uh, we just, I, I know that there maybe is a little bit of a misery loves company aspect to this, but the last episode of the belligerent beefs podcast was the most listened to belligerent beefs episode ever. And I just want to really appreciate everyone who has reached out, who has engaged. I want to I appreciate all the other content creators in beef nation. I listen to episodes of damn contest or damn podcast, not contest. Wow. I've, I've there's the fu- no matter how much or how little college football you've been watching, the fucking Dr. Pepper quarter fake quarterback toss shit is just getting oh. it's it's I it's every commercial. Sorry. So damn podcast, chainsaw crew, Peyton years, Beaverman beat as well as, you know, talking beefs and like, there's just been, there's been so much to keep up with. And I've just been so impressed with the Oregon state athletics universe right now. And just the way people have taken all of the news and parlayed it into meaningful conversation and consumption. Twitter remains a dumpster fire and I've tried to limit, I've actually held myself to the one hour Twitter and Instagram limit that I've imp- I impose and usually ignore. There's just been too many, especially now that we're matched up with Notre Dame in the bowl game. Notre Dame fans have found their way onto Beaver Twitter, and I just will not stand for that. Um, <laughs> I know like three Notre Dame fans in my life who are like thoughtful, eloquent, respectful people, and I will maybe not even talk to the game about 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 the game with them <laughs> um so but yeah i mean it's just we've had every reason to have hope and dreams tarnished and it just kind of seems like people are rightfully upset with the upsetting parts of things but are also finding reasons for hope in the hopeful things and not ignoring the silver lining while also not dismissing the bullshit i've just been you know very 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 encouraged by our community in the last seven days, which basically spans 70 years <laughs> worth. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been so long. And like, I, I don't know, I got my fucking Christmas tree today. <laughs> I'm drinking. Nice. I, I, had a, I had a hard, hot chocolate. It's a Vikings bye week, so the Vikings didn't even lose today. It's just great. Ooh. I mean, and now I have my two best friends from college on this Zoom, and we're going to talk beeves. And Kyle Devan is back in the picture, and Oregon State men's soccer is going to the final four, and we're gonna get to all of that. I'm just Let's go. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. I'm ready. I'm so Let's, ready. Let's start this edition of the Reagan Beer segment with our own in-house laser tag champion who <laughs> beat the shit out of some seven-year-olds at laser tag. Yeah, at damn right I did. And I'm sure based on JP, I know you pretty well at this point and based on our earlier conversation and knowing how I know how you work, I imagine the first ever laser tag, laser, the laser tag, laser tag salon PDX, a 21 plus laser tag establishment will be up and running in the Alberta Arts District yes. this time Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, the, the thoughts and are I already can't racing wait. through my Sponsored head. Sponsored by a great notion <laughs> and all and fire on the mountain wings. And mascot legs. And Ooh. mascot legs. Baby. Mascotlegs.com, baby. 
um, for <laughs> for the Reagan beer segment, let's uh, go to our our person in Portland uh, himself, JP Bertram. How are you doing? tonight and what are you sipping on tonight yeah first i have to shout out one of the older kids i was in a, a group maybe a birthday party that was not with ours but after the first round we got three rounds but after the first round he found me uh back in the little like dressing area where you put the vests on and he was like hey man he was like, you game were, recognized game. Yeah, he was like, you were hella good out there. <laughs> Thank you. Like, I'm 36. I've been doing this. For, yeah. I've been doing this for three decades, literally. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty it was pretty awesome that I got some acknowledgement of my skills. There were points out there where I felt like the Terminator, dude. I was out there just holding the laser, pop, 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 you know, just every single corner, like you, boom, you're down. And to have somebody recognize that skill felt real good. So I'm celebrating with an double IPA. Who would have thought? And it's an always down. I know this isn't really the right way to spell it. It says always down. It's uh, from 10 Barrel. I think I've had it either on the show before or I had it at some point back about a year and a half, almost two years ago. But this one I picked for this evening because the beeves are always down to kick some fighting Irish ass. Yes. Twice. All over the pitch, all over the field. It doesn't matter where we play them. We love to beat them. We're always down to do so. And so I picked this one for that occasion, upcoming occasions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a bad month for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. Yeah. More like the Definitely. crying Irish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> football Jesus is about to be real sad. Yeah. And yeah. football soccer ball. Or soccer ball Jesus. <laughs> football soccer ball Jesus. That'd football be, soccer ball. Well, it's touchdown Jesus. It'd be a Galasso Jesus or Galazzo no, Jesus. It'd be a football soccer ball. Let's not forget. But, Football, soccer ball, <laughs> touchdown, Jesus. Right. I th- yeah, I think he plays his games in the penthouse, penthouse. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, JP. Yeah, we'll, there'll be, this will be our most uh, anti-Notre Dame show, may- maybe ever. So, yeah, good Get on you for bringing that up, JP. Benny, you are rocking a pair of digital shades in your Zoom avatar right now. Look, looking cool, looking suave, looking sophisticated. I'm jealous. We both have mm. old school bennies on our chest. Yeah. Uh, uh, how how are you? How are you this evening? And are you sipping, smoking, eating, macking on uh, on anything right now? Yeah, I. So I was down in Portland last night for my my family's Christmas party, and I. So I first of all drove down. Yesterday morning, drove back last night, and I had to stayed with JP, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't even know you were here. Well, (laughs) I was, I was there, I was there for two seconds, actually, like five hours. But yeah, so I was very tired last night, and I hadn't really smoked at all last week, and so we had gotten some edibles, and I had one, and I, I don't think that. I had felt like I had had something stronger in months than than what I felt last night. So I had half of one before the show, 
and well, I have the pixelated sunglasses on, so you can imagine how strong right. it is. Yeah, <laughs> keep them eyes <laughs> off camera. That's right. Keep them <laughs> pixelated, baby. There you nice. go. You look Smart. You look pixely, but you also look beautiful. Thank mm. you. For sure. I am having, you know, I have my normal hydrational Bud Light slash hams. It's Bud Light tonight on hand to make sure that I'm well hydrated and, you know, servicing the voice for what is, will no doubt be a, a very colorful and fun episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast, the 119th episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. Thank you for being here tonight and every night with us but i'm having i decided to make a cocktail for uh-huh. this show and based on where it the level of it you can't really tell there's a little classic minnesota vikings helmet in this mm. oh i see it. oh yeah I, I see it yeah, you can see mm-hmm. it and it's like classic i saw these in a just sort of like vintage sale earlier this year when i was looking for furniture and like practical things as i was moving into the new house and <laughs> Despite already owning several cocktail glasses, I was like, you know what? I need these. It was a set of four. I couldn't buy just one. So I bought these and I've got a, a nice, you know, JMO and Ginger working working in this uh, classy old cocktail celebrating a day in which the Minnesota Vikings did not lose, which is, you know, days that no Minnesota fan should take for granted. <laughs> nice. I feel There's like only six other days of the week where that doesn't happen. I know. It's going to, and if I would, there'll be like 13 straight days. <laughs> it's, what are these riches? Yeah. Lucky 13. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Watch out. Um, I, again, am very, like, oh, well, we got to have a toast. We got to have a yes. toast. We can't yeah. have a beer yeah. without a toast. And I, despite everything that's happened, we still haven't mentioned this guy's name yet. We're going to a lot. <laughs> For the rest of this episode, but I would like to propose that this toast of the 119th episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast of the Reagan Beer segment is raised to none other than our new leader for the Oregon State football program, number 44 himself, Trent Bray. Let's Cheers go, Bray area. Quattro squared. JP, please play five seconds of literally any E40 song. Before Betty, before you got on, I made a reference to peaks and valleys in reference to mm. how a microphone or an audio system picks up noise and it how did. you know yeah. it goes up and down and stuff. From Friday night. Losing to Oregon, thirty-one to seven. To Saturday morning, afternoon. Smith, Jonathan Smith, you, uh, Jonathan Smith. He used to be. He's a guy who used to be cool. He used to be the Oregon State head coach for. Say, I don't know if you guys remember that guy or not. Mm. Um, Sounds like he, a basic name. He's in. He's in. Yeah. He's in East Lansing now. No one's really heard heard from him. But so anyway, Coach Smith leaves, taking his assistance with him. We're like oh, reeling. And then we record that night because we have to touch on it. <laughs> and a number of things came out. I want Andre Nicotina is normally the one on, on the on the Twitter sticks for us, but I do want to give JP credit who I again I've been trying to avoid 
Twitter for my own health as much as possible, but also being plugged in, I believe. JP, I think you broke the Trent Bray news. Yeah, I, I think I you had it. I think you had the first recorded tweet saying it was definitely happening. And you did have sources on the ground who told you it's going to be Bray. It's going to be Bray. And then someone else was like, it's going to be Bray. And I was like, guys, it's going to be Bray. And you're like, I know it's going to be Bray. Uh, <laughs> and we tweeted it was going to be Bray. The public was just like, God damn it. Just tell me it's going to be Bray. <laughs> and it's like, it's going to be Bray. Everything's going to be O Bray. A O Bray. Bray okay, baby. <laughs> um, so many. I love the best part about this is Bray, the name just goes with so many things. Bray yeah. Area will be the flagship of everything. Yeah. Shout out to everyone who's ordered a Bray Area shirt from belligerentbees.com. Oh, man, it's been. I have. That was my. I thought a family member died based on the number of emails I received in like a four minute period. And they were all new order updates for the Bray Area collection. We had somebody so, ordering like 11 crew necks. Another person ordered like seven crew necks. Who gets 11 crew necks? <laughs> Oh, that's like, you know, those I, I, I was about to mention a religion. I don't know if it's something that religion does or whatever, but you see like families who there's like 18 siblings and they're all wearing the same like white shirt, like the same kind. I can't wait for next year's Christmas cards because most of the Bray Area stuff sadly won't get there in time. Maybe New New Year's cards. Probably yeah. we could do New Year's cards, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see like an 18 member family Bray Area Christmas card. I know we hooked up our man D Sharp for going to the women's soccer game with the name Cole Keeper with a $50 a local boys gift card. I don't have enough money to reward whatever 18 member family gets their whole family in an entire Bray area uh, Christmas card. <laughs> but if you do get your entire family in a Bray area Christmas Christmas card picture send it to us and we'll figure something out for you you will not you will not leave that empty-handed that i can promise you i don't i'm not rich enough to get you all the local boys you deserve for something that dope but do it and so it's like from that sunday morning waking up after letting the dust settle a little bit and being Mm -hmm. like what the hell is gonna happen to tuesday night when bray got introduced even th- those 72 hours were insanity. Just a oh. roller coaster. And it's, I'm, people are trying to get on Twitter just to be like, does any, is, is it Bray? A lot of people saying, is it Bray? Is it Bray? Is it Bray? And then like other just fans, asshole fans of other schools be like, no one gives a fuck about who your coach is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Michigan State fans, I know there are Duck. many. I know there are many great Michigan State fans. I know Probably some of not. you personally, but none of those, none of you people were on Twitter not being mean to us. <laughs> I wouldn't say oh, any mean. great, I hope no like world peace treaty requires alumni of Oregon State and Michigan State to come to mutual agreement on anything because I think those bridges have been burned severely. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, and it felt with Bray coming out, his introductory press that we got to see the reaction from the players smartest yeah. thing Oregon state social media has ever done. Just be like, put the camera in the team meeting room yep. and just put it on the players. Scott Barnes denounces it. You see guys like, you know, like I think right away, it's like John McCartan, Akili Arnold, Andrew Chatfield went up and like dap before brave and said anything, just 
gave him big hugs. Yeah. Um, you could see the enthusiasm in the room and it kind of felt like we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And then the next day he gets formally introduced, talks to the media for the first time and says, the way the way Coach Smith left didn't sit right for, with me, and that's why I didn't want to get on that damn plane. He didn't say damn, but sorry, I'm rolling. I'm excited. And <laughs> I it. just feel like he said he, his press conference, it's hard to learn much in introductory head coach press conferences. Like They're not going to be like, yeah, well, in this situation, we'll run this play. This is how yep. we're going to recruit this kid. It's mostly lip service. But he was able to thread that needle, keep important information close to the vest, but still like reassure Beaver Nation as much as he could. So, and not just reassure, like he reiterated why he was, yeah, why he was down right. to, for the job. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, because he, he, the first question he got asked, I believe this was the first one, was, Going back to last year, at the end of last season, he had said that he had said, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was about not necessarily wanting to be a head coach ever. And the idea behind that quote was, if Jonathan's going to be here, I'm cool just to be the defensive coordinator at Oregon State forever. And then Jonathan leaves, this job opens, and he says, I don't want to be a head coach at any other university. Yeah. Which we've heard versions of that. <laughs> I was gonna say, take, take from, that how you so will. So, honest, I'm first of all, I'm psyched about the hire, and I love Trent Bray. But everything should be taken with a grain of salt for your own protection, if nothing else. Yeah. But let's start with that quote, and then the backdrop of the hire itself. And yeah. Things have come out in the four to five days since then that we also need to touch on. But let's go back to Tuesday and mm-hmm. Wednesday. We're getting the first looks of Trent Bray. He says there's no other coach or no other university I want to be the head coach at. Guys are on Instagram sharing videos like we got our guy. We got our guy. Emotionally, from the moment we found out Smith was for sure leaving to the moment we found out Bray is the new head coach at Oregon State. As a Beaver fan, Benny, I want to kick this to you first. What was that experience like? emotionally from Sunday morning to Tuesday evening, <laughs> what was it like for you? And just how fucking stoked are you about this hire? Cause I know you love it. So I don't need to wait yeah. for you to tell me that you love it. I know you're yeah. fully on board here. Yeah. So just the, I mean, I think I felt the same way as, as every other member of the Beaver fam, which is, I don't know if I had felt a rock bottom harder or with with just every ounce of my body as I did. And just not not to interrupt you on this, but I did. I re-listened to our show just to <laughs> kind of figure out what nonsense we were spewing and if there was anything to take away and make sure we weren't, you know, double dipping on things. But I did ask you: Is this the worst piece of Oregon State news you have ever heard? You've been a Beaver fan longer than both JP and I, mm-hmm. and you did say without a doubt yes. So I think yeah. you were you were getting that point. It is. It was the worst bit of delivered news, with maybe the exception of the realignment news. Yeah, yeah. It it really was obviously in in a dark spot once we got the Smith news with the hire of Trent Bray. I mean, number one, I think the second that Smith was let go and people had a second to digest it, that is where the majority of the Beaver fam wanted 
the direction that they wanted Oregon State to go in. And I, I was elated when they announced that it was going to be Bray. I mean, for no other reason than the fact that that's what the players wanted. And I think the players have such a better insight on who the right person is more so than the media, more so than us, more so than any of the fans. Like that's who they wanted. So that's who I wanted. And I think number one, it's going to help players that may have been on the fence stay. Because one thing that I noticed in the press or in the announcement to the team was yeah, you had a lot of defensive players that really stoked about this, but a lot of the offensive players were too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Just look at Dame's tweets. Like the offense is excited about this. Silas tweeted yeah. about it too. Like, so he has made those relationships on both sides of the ball. And and that is great to see. And the team was <laughs> to say they're very excited is an understatement. So that's great. And and we needed that momentum after the week that we had we just had. But the other thing that I think is important about this is to to give props where props is due. And Scott Barnes did an amazing job with the whole situation he was dealt. He couldn't have really done anything about realignment and he couldn't have done anything about Smith leaving. He should be judged on what he does after that. And this hire of Trent Bray and not only that, but how quickly he was able to get it done right. um, was a huge kudos to him. And uh, if we have been informed correctly he also was able to interview seven candidates as well so it wasn't just like panic pivot to bray yeah like he did his due diligence yeah in in the same week that they were able to get a scheduling alliance and presumably the schedule put together so he's done a great job the final thing that i'll say on bray is one of the few things that I will still say I like about Jonathan Smith is that he brought a lot of the assistant coaches had been affiliated with the university. A lot of them, former players. Bray is clearly continuing that tradition with bringing Gundy and, and Kyle Devan on board. And that's, I love that. I mean, I, that the Oregon state is a unique community. We talk about it all the time, bringing former members of that community back into the fold is fucking awesome. I love it. Yeah. It also, was reported today we're we're recording this on a sunday night december 3rd and announcements are expected monday to an, announce gunderson as the offensive coordinator devan as offensive line coach and also officially retain defensa hinson who's the interim coach for the bowl game as their wide receivers coach and anthony perkins who has been the cornerbacks coach under blue adams who's been the def- overall defensive backs coach so it is i think it's unclear as if perkins will stay fixed on corners or be given the entire defensive backfield but at any rate perkins who i think we've all been happy with and has been a great addition to the staff a lot of great cornerback play has happened since that dude came on board a lot of continuity with the staff and we talked about bringing bray in limits will for sure limit the mass exodus you typically get whenever a coach leaves any program Mm -hmm. especially on the defensive side of the ball damian endorsed him right away so that was great to see so hopefully the offensive side of the ball too and also not just and mccartan and keep members of this staff who were maybe like oh i'll i want to keep a job in football so i'll go to east lansing with jonathan but it's like oh now this now I have a choice. I can stay where I've been with Bray or I can go to East Lansing. And a lot of them might still go to East Lansing and that's fine. Whatever. Make the best decision that you think is right for you. But we could not just completely build things down 
and rebuild again with all this uncertainty. So I think that's mm-hmm. something we all liked. And so uh, JP, I know we had talked about that a lot last week, but just sort of with the continuity thing, obviously community things a big part of it too, but also I'm also I'm thinking about how do we put the best team on the field in 2024 while also trying to maintain a competitive edge for the years beyond that. And that's a difficult needle to thread. And I just think it was clear that Bray was the right call for that. And I do think, you know, you are on the same page as as me with Bray. And I just want to get some of, some of your thoughts on what was a very eventful, you know, few, few days for all of us. It was a crazy few days. We had been delivered rumblings of the uh, program's interest in Bray retaining him that he did not because last week we reported that it and it was reported that he was joining Jonathan that he was gonna continue to be his defensive coordinator and head and out not to, to interrupt either but then there is a late thing that late charge that USC was trying to hire him as defensive yeah. coordinator too yes so it wasn't like it was a done deal for Michigan State or Oregon State because Clearly, Bray was in demand, and with a lot of the uncertainty and influx and the changes of his current program, he, I mean, he had a right to test all the waters. And even if it was like a defensive coordinator for defensive coordinator jump, I mean, it's hard to blame him when it comes to absolutely trying to find yeah certainty in his profession. But when we first heard the rumblings, it was like, okay, this does make a little bit of sense. We were maybe wrong last week in claiming that it sounds like he's already on his way out. And then, yeah, I just kept following up on that and trying to figure out where does it stand now? Where does it stand now? And we actually were told a few hours before we even reported it that it's essentially a done deal that I don't even remember what day it was when we tweeted out that Oregon state was on the one yard line. Um, And (laughs) that was special nod to, I forget which college football insider had the Michigan states on the five yard line. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Michigan state, John Smith are on the five yard line. But what's, what's funny about that is I was told that it's a like one out of a hundred chance that it's not Bray. So most of the time, I think people would still sit on that kind of information and try to continue to confirm it, which I had in the same vein. So we 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 pocketed it, and then when I, it was kind of like on a whim, I reached back out to the same you know people who were giving us some this insights, and I said, "Is it still?" A one out of a hundred, or is it a zero out of a hundred? And they said zero, zero, unanimously yep. <laughs> zeros. Just it's Bray, it's gonna be Bray, you know. And I'm like, okay, well now we got to make sure that people know because I mean at that point, I feel like the world was caving in on Beaver Nation and especially the vocal, probably minority on social media, especially Twitter X. It felt like this downward spiral that somebody had to pull it out of a tailspin because like I, I I wanted to make sure that if it was Bray and I felt very, very confident that that was going to happen, that if it was Bray, then we need to put that out there and let people rally behind it before it gets too late. And people start being like, I'm done. I have seen a little, 
a couple accounts who are like, you know, former Oregon State fan, like things that have given <laughs> up on the school. And I think the lot of this is because of, I know, but I think if it's you're that still it's, here, <laughs> come on. Some of it can be attributed to like just the length of time it took for things, not that it took forever, but just still like that, that, that very uncomfortable period between coaches. A lot of people started speculating crazily on, on the social media. So put it out there and it was like, we're not reporters. We are not reporters. Let's get that straight. At least, <laughs> Terry, you might be, but ben, Benny and I are not. It depends on the nope. day. Yeah. and I wear a lot uh, of hats. Like, I'm, I'm glad that it started to build some momentum prior to the announcement. It was funny to not want to say too much, but we were obviously had people who were like, where's the announcement? No, it hasn't happened yet. Is that still gonna be a thing? Are they still in the one yard line? Are they on the other team's one yard line? <laughs> we had a I lot will of- I will say there was a moment where and trust me, you showed me <laughs> the interaction and I trust our source wholeheartedly. But as it took longer, I was like, if this rug gets pulled <laughs> I can like the there's been so many rugs pulled out from under all of us. If this one gets pulled out, I think I'm just gonna crawl under a rock and live in solitude for the rest of my life and never watch football again. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We kind of had that same experience, but not so much because I still stand by the things we've reported. And obviously, oh, one was I think actually both both things we claimed this week to have some insider knowledge on played out to be correct. One didn't go in the route that. Uh, I think people took our tweet as, which it wasn't intended for. The other was Bray, and we were we were you know correct with what the sources our sources had told us. I love the hire, Bray. I love the continuity. You guys talked about this. I think that is so critical. Right now, it's not about what what kind of coach can Bray be in five years, eight years, ten years. Right. It is what can he do next season and the season after that, and and. Right now, the way things are playing out, and for Oregon State athletics in general, next season might be the only one in limbo because of the acceleration sure. of realignment in the ACC, Florida State, all otherwise. So, good God, I again, there's so, shout, there's so much with that, yeah. dude. Shout out Barnes because there's a lot of people who think he sat on his hands, he didn't do enough. I do still blame Larry Scott. I I blame the presidents. Ed, I, I I think you're a great guy. I think you leaned in way too hard on Larry Scott. I think that that put us in a predicament. I think that potentially that kind of v- very vocal support for Larry Scott, which warranted or not, obviously it ended up not being at the time hard to say, especially when the Pac-12 network launched. For, for a university sure. like Oregon State that had very little TV coverage, there were times where even our home games weren't on locally. And it was like, I couldn't get a ticket and I can't go to this. I I can't watch this game. And it was like miserable as a fan. So the Pac-12 network was a revelation for us. Every game for every sport Mm -hmm. was on TV. No matter what we would have coverage of it. And there'd be some stream or some production. And so of course, Ed Ray is going to back Larry Scott. I think maybe he bit too hard on that support. Was, and, wasn't it after the rehearsal luncheon for your wedding in 2014 that we had to go to Marathon to watch that Oregon State-Portland State game? Because there was yes. like, <laughs> we, we had to go, there's like 15 bars maybe in the Portland area that had that 
Pac-12 hookup at the time. It was only on Pac-12 Oregon. That's right. Yeah. So it was like, hey, that and that wasn't the that wasn't the 2017 35 32. No, this is 2014. (laughs) Weighed by the seat of our pants with Gary Anderson. It is 2014. Things were a little bit less dire then. Also, not a great season. But I remember being like. What are we doing after the rehearsal luncheon of JB's wedding weekend? Well, we're going to Marathon because we can't watch the Beaver game anywhere else other than yeah. these like six places. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, why? It's 2014. We went to a fucking D1 college. And thank, thankfully, we loved the Marathon. Shout out Marathon Taverna on East Burnside, yes. but or on West Burnside. But <laughs> goddamn, I just remembered that being like, no other conference is dealing with this bullshit right now. No. And I didn't think maybe this will be our eventual downfall in almost a decade <laughs> from now. But hopefully I should have because then we could have gotten a head start on all of this. But I think that's why I think that like ESPN and Fox, they they maybe have it more out for us because of the rampant support that Larry Scott and the Pac-12 Network that could be, yeah. received from Ed Ray. Anyways. Anyways, yeah. that was a total sidetrack. Good stuff. Now, yeah, I love, <laughs> I love Bray. I love that he's bringing in some people familiar with the program. I love that the players supported it. I love that it's there've been very few players entering the portal, especially ones that were unexpected. And yeah. that, yeah, there's been a couple of decommits, but look, I don't want to. The decommits were going to happen no matter yeah. what. Like, yeah, because those guys at this point have no affiliation. That's the problem is people don't forget, uh, don't remember that. Like those guys have no affiliation to the school. They've, they've only visited the university and they, all they got was white glove treatment from Smith and or his staff. And the sure. ones that they've probably had the best treatment of are probably following Smith. So what are they going to do? They're going to decommit and maybe look if Smith still wants them. If not, they're going to just open up all their options, and they should. And honestly, yeah. that's one of those things that you, it's collateral damage that a lot of people miss. Like these guys commit to Oregon State, and they're they're not Beavers yet because they've never been living in Corvallis, experiencing Corvallis on a full time basis. And so they don't really have that loyalty. So when they decommit, it's not a slap in our face. It's no. just that, hey, our world has been thrown upside down too right now we thought we were going somewhere maybe in april or may maybe in midsummer but like now we don't know where we're going and we're so late in the recruitment cycle what like there it's kind of sucks for the recruits so like right let's wish the recruits that decommit well like let's not worry too much about that even never be the person who is in any high schoolers mentions on Twitter about any yeah. life decisions they're making. Also, this is, I mean, college football has, has so many things that I w- would love to see changed. Oh, let's, let's be real. But it is like kind of weird. Like we have this system where like all these kids commit super early and then this coaching carousel carousel happens like the week before conference championship games take place. And then, so all of these coaches who you have been committed to sometimes, you know, like two years in advance, and it's like, actually, I'm going across the country, but your offer is is with me, not necessarily just the school. So even though they've yep. theoretically been selling them on, you know, brick and mortar boots on the ground things in the city they were in, now all of those things become stuff in the city that the coach is going to. I don't know that there's ever a way to not make that a complete hot mess, but I do think 
Bray, Bray has, you know, recruited on the defensive side of the ball a bit. I hope we don't and ultimately lose too many of the defensive commits. And I do think this will kind of at least curve the departures on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I think being competitive next year is need is priority a for, for Barnes in, in this hiring process. And you always want to have a big picture approach, see where your program is five, 10, 15 years down the line from any hire you make. And that's smart, but like we can't afford falling back to being un, un, even a decent unranked team. Like, well, we and that's what, that's what we faced. We faced that after Smith left because yeah, if every assistant left with him and they all were like the writings on the wall, we, this isn't going to work here. We're following Jonathan. We would have been, been in the most yeah, and then the and, most and maybe the new ever. coach so brings brings yeah. people in, but it's going to take another year for like all those guys to time. gel. And it's yeah, that's exactly. Why, that's why there's the clause in Bray's contract about when when we end up in a power four or five conference, right. they will renegotiate the terms of his deal. This is on a contract level a bridge hire with the right. with. Probably and and determined to be the best guy at this point for the job, and and potentially somebody who could be the the best guy for the job long term. And I have faith that he could be that guy and that he will be that guy. But a lot of it also comes down to what is college football in two years, right. and like that's what I was alluding to earlier with Florida State uh, getting yeah. absolutely screwed in the CFP. And I heard a conspiracy from this. I still think this, and I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but well-sourced conspiracy that the committee leaving Florida state out is to try and expedite them joining the sec because ESPN has wanted Florida state and the sec forever. And Florida state has resisted that move to an extent. And fuck, it's just, it's all, it's all, who runs the bowl system? We talked about this like yeah. 20 episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who runs yeah. the bowl system? The ESPN. Well, the quote the quote that I heard was it wasn't necessarily so much that they were trying to keep Florida State out or to make the college football uh, you can't, you can't have the college football playoff the SEC. But but the quote I heard was to protect the prestige and the investments <laughs> Of the Southeastern Conference. Yep. yep. Protect yep. the prestige yep. and investments of the South. Like if you if you were unsure of if what direction college football was going in before, like that should right. tell you everything. Yeah. And I don't want to fall too far into that rabbit hole. We will have more time for this in, in yeah. the weeks to come. Yeah. But I do I I want to focus on money a little bit here because money is a big part of this too. The uh, salary amount for the assistant pool is growing by, I think the number is, I think it's like, it's nothing crazy. It's like 10 grand. Yeah. It's like 25, 35 grand more than what it was, but it's what it was. Bray is making $2 million a year for five years. As of now, Smith was making about 4.85 million last season. So you're saving his base is like one, one, two, five. You're you're essentially saving $3 million of the head coaching salary next year and 
I think with incentives and stuff, and who knows what happens after that with the clause in his contract, as you mentioned, JP, if the Big 12 comes calling, who knows what's going to happen. But for next year, you're getting you're about you're getting a head coach for less than half of what you're you're paying your previous guy, and the outgoing guy also has to pay three million back for executing the termination in that coaching contract. So I know people don't want to hear this, but we talked about last week. Barnes giving Smith an extension that we still haven't seen the numbers for. We we don't have the sources who can give us that. I would love to have Scott Barnes on the pod, and I don't think he would give us the answer, but I think we might be able to read between the tea leaves of his response a little bit. But was reported that he gave Smith a contract extension that OSU couldn't even afford. And that goes to the notion that he did do everything to retain Smith. But now that we're in this thing, every penny counts. Every yeah. penny counts. And there's more – technically, there is more money available for an assistant coach pool than there was this past season when people have said it's the best sort of assistant staff that we've ever had. And I I, I would you know, second that notion. It was an incredible staff. And a coach who is taking up a significantly less portion of that budget – which just gives you just <laughs> gives you eggs to put in baskets and and some room to play with. So I do think for that reason the hire is even more attractive when you consider all of those things. Because yeah. I do think this helps the bottom line for next year. I think it builds some belief for future years and then also financially there's a lot of financial security in this hire. If it doesn't work out we're not going to be in a situation that Texas A&M was. And I know we wouldn't ever sign a coaching contract like that because <laughs> we can't. But it's like even if the rails completely fall out, which is a possibility in any coaching hire, it's not going to be like, a, oh, now this sets us back years. We have to regroup and refinance and do all of this shit. And it's going to be messy for a while. The only reason it's going to be messy is for things completely out of Oregon State's control. Yeah. So if that's why you want to be mad, be fucking mad about that because of the shitstorm at the gates that we did nothing to create. As of right now, I think Bray will be good. The one concern I have is just, I, I think we, in fairness, we got to bring up a couple of them. We'll see what happens to the defense now that he has to be in charge of offense, defense, special teams, recruiting. But he's still coverage, in charge of defense. I, I know he'll still be in charge of defense, but now his attention is the whole program. He's a CEO. That's what head yeah. coaches are. And he's never done that before. I have every bit of faith in him that he'll do a good job, but it's something we'll be seeing for the first time. That yeah. was something Jonathan Smith had to rise to for the first time when he was given the head job. And that will be a challenge for Bray. And well, and Smith, I, though, wouldn't, but he didn't call, he didn't stick out or stick out calling. The offense when I know. he became that coach. Wait, is Bray is Bray still going to be like the defensive I, coordinator as well? No. Uh, yeah. Well, there be a defensive coordinator. It's, I is don't he know the def- It's not if he's the de- he might still be the defensive play caller, but by definition, as the head coach, he is in charge of the entire program. No, no. So I think parts of his I think attention, he's also running defense. Damn, they'll have a ton of extra money left over then. I'm not saying he was not running the defense. I'm saying he's been the best defensive coordinator in the country. And in his role, 
100% of his attention has on Ben being defensive coordinator. Now he, he is in charge of everything. I agree. That's what I'm I saying. Agree. I'm not saying yes. Trent Bray has nothing I, to do with defense anymore. That's no, not no, it. No, no. But I, what I'm saying is maybe there's a flip side to this because would you have said if you took offensive-minded Jonathan Smith running the offense – Mm-hmm. Or Brian Lindgren running the offense. What would you preferred? Wait, I'm just in general Be- between like Jonathan when Smith they first started. Lindgren? Just would you rather have Jonathan Smith running your offense or Brian Lindgren? Jonathan Smith. Okay, probably when they first came for sure. Yeah, based, just based, came based, based on based on what I think based on what I think I know about both of them. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think. Bray did say he wanted to figure out the offensive staff first, which is why I think you're seeing that they aren't necessarily new names, but they weren't on the staff this year, like Ryan Gunderson and Kyle Devan. Yeah. Shout out, Kyle. Shout out, Kyle. Ryan. Love, I mean, we love Yeah, yeah of course. I'm, and I'm so excited to have both of them back. Yeah. Um, and I think the defensive supports that, which makes sense because he's had his fingerprints are all over the defense. The only thing I, we don't need to spend any more time on this. I'm just saying for the first time in his coaching career, he is in charge of everything, yeah. not just the defense. But and he it, will have to he will have to compartmentalize things differently and more completely. And did you I read, think he'll do a great job. Did you read Canzano's uh, article about Bray? <laughs> I've been glued. Uh uh-uh. yes. 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 About yes. so Benny, you, was, did you, maybe you saw this. So Canzano He's born to uh, coach. Yeah. Set, has photographers that go to different areas of the country for the games he wants to cover and he tells these photographers many of them are just professional photographers they probably don't know anything about oregon state they're not fans of oregon state they're not fans of some of the teams other teams that he's covering they know how to shoot football games yes they just know how to shoot football games and he said you know when he started to get a feeling that this could be an interesting season for smith whether the team rallied through all the turmoil or whether he was, you know, exploring other options, he had a hunch. And so he started to ask the photographers to photograph the head coach for Oregon state through the game. Okay. And not just one photographer, multiple photographers in different games sent their entire reel to Canzano of photos of Bray. So their interpretation is that Bray was that. really. They thought Bray was the head coach. No so shit. If you're yeah. not, okay. if you're not That's a subscriber, a fucking to sign. Here's two things you should do right now: subscribe to Kinzano's Substack, The Baldface Truth, and then also subscribe to my Substack, Cream, a college football Substack. But do John's first because he is more in the loop than I am, and has teams of photographers. But I did, I did read that. And I thought that was very interesting, and how uh. Bray. And I think a lot of this of like having the chops of a head coach Bray, when he started, I think he maybe did a game or two as defensive coordinator in the booth. Yeah. And then after I was like, like, he was like, I need to be on the sidelines. I need to be able to look into my players eyes. I'll talk to my guys into the, in the booth. There's obviously like, he's not saying like be having anyone in the booth is worthless, but he's like, for me, I need to be on the sideline. Yeah. The emotional side of the game is a huge part of it. I need to be able to That's grab so someone awesome. who just made a play or who like and congratulate them or someone who just made, messed up and encourage them. So, yeah, a lot of Kinzano's professional photographers <laughs> interpreted S- Bray as being the, the head coach on the sidelines. And Did I, and you I, guys know that Bray 
like decided not to be up in the box before yeah, you guys I remember that. I remember that I think, story. Yeah. That was a story I no from idea. twenty I think twenty twenty one when he took over for Tibisar. Yeah. He started because Tibbs started was, on the he start I think because Tibbs was in Tibbs was in the booth and Bray was yeah. on the sidelines. Yes. And then I think when he Tib- moved up Bray got the job I think they asked if he was going to move to the booth during games and either he did for a spell or never did and just said, I prefer to be down here. And I, tr- I trust my guys who are up there to give us the insight that we need from being up there. Uh, okay. But I want to be on the sideline. I want to be able to look my guys in the eyes and be able to talk to them and be able to interpret the game from being on the sidelines. I didn't know that, but that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, like in, in a, it, it's not like an act. I mean, even yeah. in if you if you if you take no. what people have seen and noticed and recognized and the players love about Bray and his energy and being just a football guy, uh, someone that they can really rally behind who who brings the energy that 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 boosts morale. And then you see the press conference, the introductory press conference, and it wasn't rah rah. It wasn't a bunch right. of weird scripted lines that felt forcibly no. r- read or spoken. It- <clears throat> Like we had from the previous coach, the the man clearly has the charisma of a head coach. Mm-hmm. He he has the energy of a head coach. We tweeted how he has the aura of a head coach, and then and I think it was in a separate thread, but somebody had said that well, yeah, he's got the he's got great energy, and everything's better than Smith. He was like talking to a wet sponge. <laughs> <laughs> right. but and also like with the press conference too it was sincere and there was energy too but also you got the feeling that bray was like i don't want to be here i want to be watching film i want to be making calls to fill out my staff i want to be on the recruiting trail i want to be making sure guys don't go in the portal or in the portal getting guys who enter the portal and like coming here like you he, I don't think he's going to want to do that press stuff in like a good way. I think yeah. he'll be a good coach for the media. And I do, th- but it sounded like he was like, I don't want my day to day to change much. I just want to do everything I can for this program. But yeah. and I had fans, people who are my last point on this is I had fans who I know of like other teams who have just been kind of following Oregon state. Just like it's, how precarious and kind of even like this is fascinating for a college yeah. football neutral, a situation that a lot of other programs might be facing, especially if you cheer for a team in the ACC <laughs> spoiler alert. But I had people who cheer for other college football teams be like, damn, that was a really impressive press conference. Yeah. And- but, but, it, and it was because I think where, as it seemed like he may not have wanted to be there, he said, the right thing in the right way. And JP had alluded to it of the way that Jonathan Smith left didn't suit or sit well with me. And I think that's important for a couple different reasons. Number one, <laughs> the, the Beaver fam was spiraling and we needed something like that to be said. Number two, the players obviously rallied around that. And, and I don't think that it, that it needs to be rah, rah. We have a small sample size for sure, but, that's what you want in a coach. You want a coach to be able to manipulate the media in his advantage. And look, like when you hit rock bottom, one of the very few silver linings of that is like everything that has come up to that point. It can be used as bulletin board material going forward. And Bray, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, he mastered it in this 
regard, in my opinion, like that's all he needed to say and say it in that sort of condescending, like, I don't even want to be here way. It went probably as perfect as it could have gone. Yeah. Man. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was a nice rise in our morale for yeah a little bit of time. <laughs> yeah. God, it was such a, <laughs> such a crazy week. And so then what with this season's not over yet. <laughs> We're talking about the future. Bray is not coaching the bowl game. A number of questions have been asked about that. And I think the ultimately the decision is there's there's so much that needs to be done beyond this bowl game that Bray one trusts the staff who is staying on for this bowl game to do their jobs effectively and do their jobs well. And also Kifense Hinson, who is staying on the staff, is a very well-respected member of the staff. And if you have an interim head coach there and then also the n- new head coach effective after this game coach there, I don't, I don't think Bray wanted to step on, on Key's toes at all. And also he's got a lot of work to do. You know, there's, there's recruiting, there's uh, the staff, there's, I don't know how much he'll be hands-on with finalizing the schedule. I think, I, I think, I hope that it's basically finalized now. And people don't want to hear that bowl games aren't important because they are, but there's a lot more that requires his attention than whether we beat Notre Dame for a third time in a third bowl on December 29th in Benny's town of El Paso, Texas, the beautiful town of El Paso, Texas, the um, mayor of El Paso, the, the king mayor of El Paso, of El the Paso. king of El Paso. If only that town was so goddamn expensive to fly to. No kidding. It is the <laughs> Paris so, of Texas, even more so than Paris, hard, Texas. So hard, even <laughs> more than Paris, Texas. The audacity of Paris, Texas. To yeah, name yeah. Paris, Texas. How dare really. they? So we do have we have a bowl game coming up, and a handful of players who won't be playing in that bowl game. One of those players who we do. Do need to mention, and I don't think any of us want care want or care to spend a ton of time on this, is star running back Damian Martinez, who was arrested in Corvallis on Saturday, Friday night, on suspicion of DUII because he ran a red light and the car smelled like weed. Those are pretty much the details we have. Dame tweeted out that he was fine. He made a mistake, has asked for you know forgiveness and understanding in making a mistake and and will be fine. There's not a ton else that has come from the Corvallis Police Department, and Scott Barnes has said they have addressed it, are gathering more information, and that Damien will not be participating in the bowl game. Let's not spend much more time on this than we need to. I think Dame has handled this well. He's reached out, posted acknowledgments on social media. I think people erupted over this on social media. And I think part of that was maybe because the fan base was so plugged in on social media already Mm -hmm. and just ready to react to things. And this was news that wasn't expected. But also, I mean, running a red light, driving under the influence, not something you like to see. 
but I don't think this is, amounts to much more than a kid making a mistake and understand that he made a mistake. And I'm sad he's not playing in the bowl game, but I, I get it. And yep. just hope, well, hope he learns from this and that we can all just move on. Yeah, and I, I think it's we, – we put out a thread, and I think it's an important one, is that a lot of this is predicated on the uh, – Suspicions. The suspicion of minor in possession. And I think all, all of the charges really hinge on minor in possession. And so – Minor in possession in Oregon can be minor in possession by consumption, and I will speak out that it was my 19th birthday walking back to the dorms when I was stopped by a police, and they asked me where I was going. I said I was going home, and they asked me, have you been drinking tonight? And I literally didn't know what to answer, and I said, I had a beer earlier. They said, do you have any alcohol on you? I said, no. They said, well, stand over here. They came back. This is a ticket. This is a minor in possession ticket. I just said, possession of what? They said, alcohol. It's in your stomach. You are in possession by consumption. <laughs> uh, but I don't want it anymore. Yeah. So if you had puked on that cop right then, what if he had had to rip up that MIP? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. So I just want to, I, I want to just preface all of this with saying, yes. DUII is not good. Running a red light is a is a rough mistake, and I would be shocked if there were people out there who were like, I've never done it, or I was never close to doing it. I think everybody at some point in time in their driving life has... And there's also a nuance there, too. Like, did you... Were you not paying attention and blew through, like, a solid red light? Right, or did or you turn right was, on or was left it, on was a red it, light? Like, was it turning, and you're like, fuck it, I'm going, which... Is still a traffic violation, or, or, but also or roll a stop on a left yeah. or right turn on a one way, and it yeah. uh, be considered r- running a red just, instead of rolling a stop. Either way, just the people who like assume, yeah, like, like that's they, what like, so don't like assume, they were there and they saw how the thing assume, went down. Don't assume. I I I it. I feel bad for Damien. I feel terrible for the team because. Yeah, this is like bad. the timing is just bad, and and we don't know how, what led to the the entire situation coming about. It could be Damien's regular old late night run at uh, B Dubs or McDonald's or something that he does every uh, Wednesday night. We, like it could have been a very normal day that led to a very abnormal night, and yeah. I like let's. Let everything play out in court, I, but in the same time, I just I feel bad for him because, man, he'd be loving this opportunity to go out there and face Notre Dame, and I think that the team would love to have him there and and, and play distraction free football. Given there's a lot of other forces at play, putting distractions in front of them, from their own ex head coach to the media to you know, arrests warranted or not. So like, I think everyone just needs to take a breath. Like we had our friend Funky Paul Molina just ask us, what did he say the other day about, he said, can we just have like no OSU news for a couple days? And yeah. I think we've, <laughs> we've accomplished that. I asked, can we take a fucking nap? I just, yeah. can all of us take a nap at the same time? Yes. <laughs> 
from Scott Barnes together. I, Scott, together. <laughs> All of us in just one giant beaver dam. That would be yeah. lovely. Yeah. Stacked like <laughs> logs in a beaver dam, sleeping very comfortably for eternity. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have still a lot of faith in this, this team to bring it to Notre Dame. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the bowl game. I, I tried to confirm at least one of our other m- most beloved uh, athletes for the football team was going to be playing in the bowl game and reached out to Deshaun Fenwick. Flowers for Fenwick. He deserves all of the flowers. And I, and I, I want to preface this with after uh, the San Diego State game, we stopped Deshaun on the field and said, like, he looked like he was banged up, right? And he was kind of limpy and didn't play a whole lot towards the end. And we said, hey, are you going to be all right for Wazoo? Like, it's a big game. Are you going to be all right for Wazoo? And he was like, yeah, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. And he, like, leaned into the camera, like, I'll be all right. To remind the folks listening, he was... More than all right against Wazoo. He had 11 carries, over 100 yards, and three touchdowns against Wazoo. And he obviously had a great performance in the Vegas Bowl last year when he was feeling good, healthy, and became the starting back again for the Bowl, given the the majority back for the Bowl, given Damien's injury. And I asked him, I said, hey, we're looking forward to you. We're looking forward I I mean, I don't know. I said, we're. But we're looking forward to you having another repeat performance like you did in the Vegas Bowl. You think you're going to be doing that? And his reply was, okay, bet. I'll take that uh, (laughs) as a yes. Okay, bet? Okay. I think think that means he's playing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go. I think that means he's playing. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. I am I am I am begging a college athlete to give us a non cryptic answer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no shit. Here's the thing though, is like I didn't care. I didn't really care about the bowl game last week when everything was going down. It's like that's the that is the least of my worries, right? But now it's here. And, but and now, it's now I anyway. kind of am excited. Like now that we You've have got almost our ducks four weeks. Row, or no, I'm not I I'm gonna no, go back. Now, now that we, that we have our shit together. Now that we have our beeves in a dam. That's how you place the ducks in a row. In a dam. Cliche. Yeah. Now that we have our beeves in a dam. Boom. It feels kind of good. Like it feels yeah. kind of good that we're matched up against Notre Dame. And Dude, I don't know if this. It's your ahead. city. Your stadium, Benny. Man, the good people of El Paso. I Oregon know. State ranked Oregon State versus ranked Notre Dame. Yeah. On, fr- on Friday of New Year's weekend. At 2 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. CBS, a TV network that JP doesn't fucking hate. Yes, yeah, we don't one. hate. I mean, if we knew all of the dirt, we probably would find ways to hate them. But CBS hasn't outrightly wronged us yet. Yeah, and that's going to be 2 p.m. Eastern time against the Fighting Irish. Kefense Hinson versus Marcus Freeman. In that, that is a gorgeous football stadium. I'm mad. It is. I, I I'm like. I have like a 0.5% chance of being able to go to the bowl game this year. Yeah. I would not. If someone be like, hey, can we count on you 
to give the same drunken performance you did at the Vegas Bowl last year, I would not be able to say, okay, bet. Um, <laughs> but that, I, I think this is a good draw for Oregon's sake. Even yeah. like if you end up, uh, we will be a- absent a lot of our talent. If it's kind of one of, bowl games are sort of that kind of, risk-free thing if you get rolled there is a million excuses to point to and people will probably forget it in a day but if you play great and you put on a great performance against notre dame like yeah it's not gonna like live in infamy forever but you know we still reference evanson bernard you know crashing over the missouri defensive line for that gutsy two-point conversion that won it in 06 yeah we still reference victor butler shutting down LaShawn McCoy against Pitt in 2008. Like those moments live in the fan base for sure. Yep. And with all of the uncertainty that swirls around, who knows what a good showing in El Paso on national TV on a big time Friday that most people have work off during the holidays, you know, a game you, you want your bowl game to be after Christmas. That was kind of the late nineties, early two thousands way of like, ranking bowl games now everything's been thrown so far out of whack so it's not the same thing but december 29th that beautiful stadium in that beautiful city against (laughs) a keystone team that also doesn't have a conference (laughs) michigan michigan wanted to run away from the big 10 about three weeks ago let's come back to that oh man i forgot about that who who do they not have on this who is a big time long time rival of michigan who's not in the big 10 that's not on their schedule next year and also doesn't have a conference. Notre Dame. Remember when the Pac-4 was just Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford? Those goddamn nerds. ACC later, Calford. What if we added Michigan and Notre Dame to the Pac-2, making it the Pac-4? <laughs> Oregon State, Washington. <laughs> that is not going to happen, listener. I'm just getting excited here. I'm very happy with the draw. Other names who I think we should mention that we don't expect to see. It's been... It's expected that Fuaga won't play in the bowl game. His NFL draft stock has already skyrocketed, mm-hmm. um, which good for him. Fuaga is getting mocked pretty high right now. <laughs> it's talking about mock drafts in December is crazy, but like Fuaga is maybe the best draft prospect we've generated in a while. Yeah, and I'm really excited for him. Like there's like like Daniel Jeremiah, who's like the NFL Draft Network draft guy has sent like several tweets over the last week to be like grinding tape on Oregon State's Talisi Fuaga. Like this kid's amazing. And I'm just happy for him. And I hope he makes as many millions in the draft process as possible. Yeah. Well, and it's good. It's interesting. I think bowl games are getting to the point now where it is a, a lot of players that weren't getting playing time. A lot of the starters that did really well, and this might not be yeah. the case for Notre Dame, but a lot of the starters that did really well that are seniors are not going to play. And in a team like Oregon State's case, like a lot of the players that may be transferring somewhere else are not going to play. I, again, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be dealing with that as much. Um, right. But you can bet that Notre Dame's not going to be playing at full strength they've, either. They've got a couple guys. Their best tackle, Joe Alt, might be the first tackle drafted in, okay. in the draft. So he, I would be shocked if he plays. It, we know DJU is not going to play. He mm-hmm. is in the transfer portal. I 
kind of think DJ might just be sort of testing the transfer portal waters to see what kind of NIL money might be out there before ultimately deciding to go pro. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think DJ could have really benefited from a nice bowl game showing, especially with the class of quarterbacks we're expected to have, but I do wish him well. Anthony Gould has declared for the draft and is out for the bowl game and will be focusing on the draft process. Nothing but the best of luck to AG and everything he did. He's a guy who I think, you know, his stock is his stock. I don't know if an electric sun bowl showing would move the needle uh, much more than he's already moved it himself. I hope Ant gets some all-star game, whether it be senior bowl, East West shrine bowl, or any of those other showcase opportunities because he's he's a rock star and i just i you know his his size will hold a hold a couple of teams back but he's definitely a dude who should be playing on on sundays um i have so i haven't been able uh, henley bloomfield had that season ending injury against washington also will not play but guys like jake levengood and katana ladapo have put an emphasis on finishing this season and what they've started. I haven't seen much other news beyond Barnes saying that Martinez won't play in the bowl game. So I don't know who else we will certainly be tracking this. Now it's like, it's crazy that you have a game every week and now it's basically a month between the civil war and the sun bowl. Yeah. Uh, But I do think at least I know Bray in his address to the team said he, he said, I wish I could be with you at the bowl game, but I'll be around at practice, of course, and my door is always open. I, this team getting another month of practice in is going to be huge, uh, yeah. especially for that continuity thing. Real quick, a little synergies, synergy energy. If you look back at the last time we played Notre Dame, the inside yep. bowl, the inside was... Bowl, which was played where? Insight Bowl, Insight Bowl is also Phoenix. So we've only we've only played Notre Dame in the Phoenix area. Yeah. Yep. South of the Mason Dixon. South of the. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But let's let you know when the game was. It was December of 2004. It was December 28th. Oh. 2004. And again, y'all y'all remember who was the uh, defensive MVP of that game? That's right. Trent Mr. Bray. Bray himself. Trent Bray. So I like our odds. I like our odds too. Um, I, hey, listen to this. Listen to this sicko stat. Oregon State has won eight bowl games since 2000. Half of them have either been in the Sun Bowl or against Notre Dame. <laughs> and now we get both. And now we get both. So if yeah. we win, we, we if we win, it counts as two bowl wins. Yeah, so you have so, to double. Yep. You have to double the payout. Tony Did the you Tiger. even consider that, Las Vegas? You dummies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just excited to see Benny hang out with Tony the Tiger. All Julian's coming back. We got a all the Julian's out. coming. Yeah, back. yeah. Wait, he Julian. is. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good. He was so he was in the first row of that video. Yeah, and he's he's still he's on crutches. So I, I saw McCartan get up and Chatfield and Achille Arnold get up and like hug Bray and dap him up and everything. And I saw Alton Julian stand, sitting there 
looking pretty happy and clapping really hard, but also on crutches. So I, <laughs> I didn't want to assume that his enthusiasm was any less by it just being more difficult for, uh, for him to get out of a chair at the present time. But I'm very, Alden Julian's one of my favorite beavers of, of this era, maybe of ever. So I'm so happy to, to hear that he will be returning for another season in Corvallis. That's great. Hey, so, sidebar question real quick. Is, does Chatfield have another year of eligibility, even if you want? They all have it? like 10 years left of eligibility. Okay. I think yes, I don't think he'll come back, but I don't I don't think he will. I do think he should play the bowl game though. Yeah. I think yeah, I everyone who everyone who was out there senior day is not coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that true. was a lot of people. And that was that was even even without Smith leaving, like we would have lost a good number of players just due to eligibility and the natural flow of things. Yeah. Hey, by the way, but I think that the portal is open. Oh, yeah. Opened at 9 o'clock tonight. Yeah. It opens on Sunday night, not Monday morning? Well, it opens at uh, midnight on the 4th. Yeah. Eastern. Midnight Eastern. Yep. It's been open for 25 minutes. Hey. And um, none of us have been sucked into a portal. The portal. <laughs> Yeah, JP is join Beaver Blitz. Don't do it. (laughs) JP is now the lead, the host, and the producer of Belligerent Knowles. Yeah, uh, the leading Florida State podcast. They have a lot, and they they have a lot of bones to pick. That would be a great episode, JP. Let's become a Florida State podcast. Oh my God! Uh, Could you imagine if we were a Florida State podcast? No, belligerent flames, baby. Belligerent flames. No, belligerent. No, I'm out. I'm out with that shit. (laughs) Wait, who are the flames? The Liberty Liberty. Flames. Oregon's bowl opponent in the. (laughs) I thought you were like talking about the conferences going up in flames. That too. (laughs) That too. No, we're not. Can I? Can I? Or. Look, I know, Terry, I know you said that we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, but can I just have one minute to talk about a hypothetical that I heard there's actual legitimacy to very quickly, just I'll for always. a second. You can okay. always sidebar whatever you want. This All is right, the belligerent thieves. <laughs> it's I, just a compilation of sidebars. There is a, you guys know the the Twitter handle, MHVer, or whatever. Yes. Yeah, yeah MHVer. They, they came out and said that there are obviously rumblings going on with the ACC schools reaching out to the Big 12 schools uh, and that there is interest and a discussion talked about about Oregon State and Washington State coming over with the Pac-12 assets. And the whole idea behind it would be to start a three-conference alliance that would be legally Don't binding. Don't say that fucking word. <laughs> it wouldn't be. It's not just a handshake. So it would be legally binding. It would sort of be like a divisions within a conference i guess i'm not entirely sure but but so this is this is what this is my i took maybe too much of an edible i'm going off on a tangent sort of thing right you're gonna have so we're gonna say it's in the premier league you're gonna have manchester city (laughs) you're gonna have the sec and the big big 10 eventually join like that seems pretty certain it's to well, some the, degree the top and tiers of those leagues the top exactly yeah. so you're gonna have schools minnesota like, this does not include you 
You're gonna have schools Rutgers. like Vandy, Oregon, Rutgers, yeah, Purdue, maybe Oregon. that that drop off, and and you're gonna have this upper tier, the blue chips, where all the five stars, most of the four stars go go to those big top tier SEC, Big Ten schools, and then you're gonna have everyone else. But guess what? And we're in there one are more fans. There are more fans of everyone else. There are more. Than there are of these. There these are more tailgates. Schools. There are more tailgates. And I was talking with listener Scott about this, so that's why I'm bringing it up. We are sort of <laughs> shout out Scott Spieber. Co- we are sort of combining our 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 thoughts here. But you're gonna have this this quote unquote lesser division of all the other schools that aren't Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State that form their own sort of conferences and have their own sort of thing going. And that's going to capture the magic of what caused all of us to fall in love with the game of college football. And then you're going to have this sort of NFL junior or NFL minor leagues. And it's going to be super corporate. Like USC and Auburn are not going to form a rival. Like that's just not going to happen. So you're going to have this lesser tier with geographical, conferences where those rivalries that are already formed remain and new ones can naturally form. And I think that there's a legitimate chance of that happening. And I think that's a really, really good thing for Oregon state. I think that ACC starting to implode is a really, really good thing for Oregon state. I'm done. (laughs) That's it. I feel like we should end the episode there. I know we have, I know we have so much more fun shit to talk about. That's a great theory. Can we? That I, I this is Make not to dismiss your point at all, Benny. Can we table this discussion? Yeah. Because if we start talking about that level of realignment and Oregon State's role in it, we will be here until the transfer portal opens again next year. <laughs> and I yes, don't. I was we, not expecting a conversation. I just wanted no, to say we it. have big news for Oregon state men's soccer and Oregon state women's basketball that we have to get to, but we can give, I, I do. I, I, I like that creative thinking. And I think that's kind of naturally where shit's headed. I don't know that I'm ready to jump on the train that if the ACC collapse, it's good for Oregon state. I, it could be. Not I, good I, for I, Oregon State. I think it looks yeah. our our future looks brighter when others have to follow suit well, because, because of things out of their control too. It, well, there's it, such it looks a worse. thing, but like there's such a reaction that was like too bad for Washington State and Oregon State, and I try to tell everyone. Who would give me the chance to listen? I'm like, this is coming for other programs. Everyone, like, this yeah, isn't, exactly. This isn't. If you think but they're the stopping at us, the lesser time that we're the only ones like sitting off by ourselves, the better. Sure, I, I, I I'm fine with that sentiment. I don't. I just want to wait and see how beneficial we think it could be, and yeah. I'm not ready to get in bed with a conference that. What from everything I believe wouldn't give us the time of day, but basically begged Cal and Stanford to come over in a really clunky edition. So I'm interested in basically everything between what we have with Wazoo, the Big 12, and the ACC, and see how it plays out, as well as like you know, places like the Big East and the WCC, the MAC, American, and stuff for like other non football sports. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I think today's news of Florida State not getting in 
is maybe the worst thing that has ever happened to the ACC. And uh, for sure. It, it'll be the last worst thing to happen to the ACC. I, yeah, it'll be the last oh. thing to happen to the ACC before. And I, I'm thing. not ready to call it Schadenfreude because on my list of villains, like the ACC, while I'd never really respected the ACC outside of Clemson's run and then just a f- few other fun things that happened. And like, yeah, I love the Duke-North Carolina basketball rivalry, Tobacco Road. It's fun. But the ACC, I mean, I guess the ACC played a pretty big role in the destruction of the Big East as a conference that was more than just basketball. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's not the same level of shot and fraud, like shit. So I don't know. I, I guess the jury's still out on how I feel about it, but definitely there's probably, there are probably more people willing to talk <laughs> than there were on August 3rd, 2023. Yeah. So, and I don't, I think more people willing to talk is definitely a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to talk about. I I want to talk about. No, I want to talk about beating Notre Dame twice. Let's talk about Notre Dame twelve and how we and how we can do that. Yeah. How can we beat? We we played Notre Dame before the Sun Bowl, JP. How is that possible? Ah, y'all know about football. I've just heard about this thing. Oh, football. It's football, but like actual football, like you play with your feet. It's weird. Yeah, they don't use their hands. They don't use their hands at all, except for two guys on opposite ends of the field can use their hands. But no yeah, one. Yeah. Why are they so lucky? Because they're the coal keeper. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. we're a fucking soccer podcast. We I'm know how this. Joking. Good I'm God. Joking. I'm, I'm joking. joking. <laughs> Oregon State men's soccer biggest goal in program history. Dante Williams stand yes. up. Let's Stand go. Up. Let's go. JP, Man. please play five seconds of Let's Go by Trick Daddy. Oh, what a, a good late call. Well done. Let's uh, go. Let's go. The best season in Oregon State history under first year coach Greg Dalby. Greg Dalby, take a bow. This has been incredible. No, you done yet. You're not he taking a yet. bow. No, take, take, a bow, take a bow after December 11th. That's when the national championship game is. Oregon State men's soccer, your Oregon State Beavers, are headed to the first ever College Cup in program history. If college soccer is new to you, the College Cup is the men's soccer equivalent of the Final Four. There are four teams Left, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. And the Oregon State Beavers are one of them. They are in the field. They have been more nationally seeded, high-ranked teams than any other team in the entire NCAA tournament. It started with a shitload of teams. Now there are four, and we're one of them. The other national semifinal is Clemson and West Virginia. Fuck Pat McAfee. Fuck Pat McAfee. And so... Kick rocks, Pat. Before we can play his alma mater, we face the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The same team we'll face on October 29th in the Tony the Tiger El Paso Sun Bowl. But the Fighting Irish got one thing coming. They might be higher ranked than Oregon State is. They are the officially, oh, I closed the bracket. (laughs) <laughs> I don't have it anymore. They're ranked like number two or some shit. But yeah. 
they are but unlike us unlike us they're not great <laughs> louisville saturday friday december 8th it's been a long day december 8th in louisville kentucky Oregon State versus Notre Dame in the national semifinal. Oregon State has never made it to a college cup before. We've had higher-ranked teams make the tournament before. We've had lots of teams make the tournament before. We've had Mac Herman Trophy winners. We've had first-round picks in the MLS Super Draft. We've had players go play directly from go directly from Oregon State to Europe and play. This is the biggest moment in Oregon State men's soccer history. Yeah. Dante Williams providing the lone goal in a 1-0 win against number three ranked in the country, North Carolina Tar Heels. North Carolina, this will They're a good soccer school. Fall under Benny's Mason Dixon line rule for <laughs> outdoor sports, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> <Mine's> football. <laughs> North Carolina is a soccer factory. It's like one of the best men's programs. It's one of the best women's programs. It's they're fucking good. And Dante got that goal. He is that dude. Logan Farrington yep. is that dude. Greg Dalby is that dude. And these dudes are that team. This needs to be celebrated. It needs to be recognized widely. Wait, 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 wait. JP, please play five seconds of Dude by, I don't know, <laughs> Kel from Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> Do you love orange soda? <laughs> uh, this episode of Blue Beans podcast is sponsored by Good Burger 2. Now streaming on <laughs> just about everything. It's a good movie. Good Burger 2 have is you a watched good movie. It? Yes. I, I have not watched it yet, but yeah. I can't turn anything out without seeing goddamn Dude, Good Burger oh, 1 man. is still incredible. Good Burger 2 is Dude, also pretty good. Shout out to all that and TLC for having the best theme song of any show on all yep. that yep yeah or hey but coolio did keenan and kel's show that was oh he did yeah. yes yeah yep but that's all true. that theme song was really good anyways yeah. back to the the all the dudes because we're all dudes hey fuck notre dame soccer <laughs> fuck the fighting irish benny what was your fighting irish bit crying irish they're about to be that the crying irish. irish yeah oh, fixing shit up today yeah yeah <laughs> I mean no offense. We we would have we would have such a a big chance to say ACC later because we would oh. have beat SMU, yeah. uh, North Carolina, and Notre, Notre Dame, Dame in basketball is ACC, and maybe Clemson. I think Notre Dame is probably ACC for soccer as well. Probably, as we are we are famously not playing them in basketball this next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> they, you can use they, your hands they, in basketball. They, they, you, can. <laughs> you, you can. Oh, that's why I wasn't good at basketball. Your, hand, your hands are pretty important. <laughs> yeah, you can't. If you can't, if you kick the ball into the basket, it doesn't count. Uh, unfortunately, so dumb. <laughs> I had so many points took, taken from me. Exactly, but good. Best of luck to Greg Dalby and the State Beavers at the College Cup. Um, our our go to soccer listener, Jesus Reyes, will be. He's probably already on the way there. Hey, Sue, let us know. <laughs> <laughs>
Hit us uh, if you're making the drive. Let us know. We'll we'll give you a we'll give you a full segment on the next Belligerent Peace podcast if if you road trip to Louisville for for this historic occasion. But God damn it, just really excited to see it. I think something, and we we don't focus enough on these teams. I think, admittedly, and want to find a way to be able to do so. But also, it's like with all this college football realignment mess, it's a lot of these sports that don't get the shine that will be hurt the most. And for Oregon State men's soccer to do this in in the shadow of that uncertainty and this being their last year in in the Pac-12 as it stands and maybe it's easier to get a good scheduling alliance put together for them next season than it is for something like college football which requires you know stadiums that will have 80,000 to 100,000 fans in them i don't know those logistics but i do know that these student athletes have not the student athletes haven't been considered at all in all of this shit which is the most infuriating part when you really break it all down and you know these Olympics sports and like these sports that are just so clunkily referred to as like non-revenue sports, but it's still like at the heart of why we love college athletics and why we have so much spirit for OSU. Get no credit, no shine, and because of something entirely out of their control, entirely out of their own sports control, are facing a shitload of uncertainty, and they're just playing gorgeous team soccer right now and have gone further than any program in the history of the school. So cheers to you, Oregon State men's soccer. Our hats are off to you. Yes. And bring the bring the whole goddamn thing home. But even before all that, just know that it's impossible for us to be more proud of you than we already are. And it's you've been an incredible story all year. And just our, our deepest gratitude and and thanks for yes. what you've put on the field amidst all of the asshole suits who are trying to ruin college sports. So you give all of us hope and have, have been just an incredible story and can be proud of yourselves forever. I'm already just doing it. I don't, I don't need to ask you guys. I know you're in full support. The entire team and coaching staff of the 2023 Oregon State men's soccer team are first ballot 100% Belligerent Beeves Hall of oh, Famers. 100% seconded. Absolutely. Um, Are they in? They're in. They're in. Raise the banner. Raise the, raise the banner. Make the plaques. Play, fire the lasers and the rockets beep, 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 and the fireworks beep. and everything. <laughs> Bebe's Hall of Famers. OSU Men's Soccer 2023. Yeah. That wasn't in the show notes. No, but, but didn't we? Didn't we? Uh, all right, never mind. Yep, there might be there might be a couple of them who are are already in. Yeah, I was saying they're in as individuals. Now they're in as a team. That's that's called triple stamp a double stamp, Lloyd. It's important. <laughs> no erases. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. To the wood. To the wood. To the hardwood. Oregon the State wood. women's basketball is the now six and zero. To the wood. <laughs> this is really embarrassing. To the wood. Have we inducted Scott Ruick into the Bay Base Hall of Fame? You know, listener Joe Hedberg said he was going to put together a, a compilation of the, the Hall of Fame inductees. <laughs> that's, that's, Joe's a listener, though. We can't. And, <laughs> well, you know what? Well, I'm relying on that. I might, I might need to. We believe Scott, our listeners. I don't think we formally put Scott Ruick in the Bay Bay's Hall of Fame. 
Well, if we, we have to. We have put Tinkle in, so we have to put Ruth in. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no. Scott no Ruth is literally me. the winningest coach in Oregon State women's. Yeah, basketball. we now officially have the basketball. He's gone Hall to a Final Four. He went to a entry. Final Four five years before the start of the belligerent Beans podcast. So not saying that doesn't mean it matters, but it wasn't quite on our purview. The, not only was the baby's hall of fame, not being curated at that time. It literally was five years from existing. We have the pro basketball <laughs> hall of fame level of inductees. Everyone gets in baby. You just, it's not everyone. You do your, you do your, it's thing not everyone. Say you're in. Well, so basically y'all got your own little, you know, other hall. Your own, yeah, your own exhibit. Yeah, and Scott Ruick's deserving of his own exhibit. <laughs> yeah. we've, we've been exhibit. expanding the Bebe's Hall of Fame. Where the there's the Bebe's uh, Hall of Fame. Is in, here's, the your, most, here's your entry entry exhibit, and then it's one of the, the most impressive exhibit. facilities we've ever seen. It's the plus it puts, Bebe's it plus puts the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> to shame, uh, <laughs> Scott Ruick officially. <laughs> The winningest coach in Oregon State women's basketball history with win number 275 and then adding on to it win number 276 just days after uh, he surpasses legendary coach Aki Hill and has his Oregon State beeves at 6-0. and oh. A.J. Marot, A.J. Marot, sorry, 23 points in a 76-52 win over Western Kentucky Saturday afternoon. And How about uh, Reagan? And Reagan has been just just the the 20 and 10 plus rate that Reagan has put up just keeps going. She's not slowing down. She's got, you know, you know, post moves like Lisa Leslie out there. When the ball goes up, it goes in from Reagan. And when someone else puts the ball up and it doesn't go in, Reagan's the one coming down with it. This has been very encouraging start for this team coming off a disappointing season. They, uh, other than what else could you ask for, Terry? I said very encouraging. This is the perfect start. This is just the ideal start. Yes, this is the ideal start. I I was just going to way to go, ladies. You won six in a row. Very encouraging. You're six and zero after playing six. Come on. <laughs> I was just trying <laughs> to add a dose of you know, realisticness, historical relevance. Sure, we the Oregon's they they beat Villanova, so they they've taken care of they've absolutely taken care of business in every game they played. Most of it very very handily, and the one time it was close it was against Villanova who is who is very very good so this has been an incredible amazing fantastic start and that will keep going uh the next game Saturday against Jackson State at Gill Coliseum in Corvallis at 6 p.m pacific time and yeah it's then then they're off again until the following Friday on the 15th when they'll play uh Santa Clara also at home so get out get your asses out to Gill and yep. uh, watch the undefeated Beavs in yep. action. AJ, Talia, Reagan, Tamia, Donovan, Kennedy, and Coach Ruick, and others, and the whole team. They're phenomenal. Martha Peach, also balling. 
So I'm not, <laughs> I accidentally closed my tab with the women's basketball notes too. So I'm just going from the dome. I apologize, ladies. For, <laughs> <laughs> I apologize, ladies, for not crowning you national champions like JP wanted me to. But six Shame and on oh, you. You're, you are in you. our hearts. Shame on me. You are, they are already national champions in our hearts. But yeah, this is what we wanted to see from this group after after last year. And uh, crossing milestones, Reagan playing at an incredible pace, AJ leveling up, Leah leveling up, and the youngsters, you know, playing a cut above already. This is exciting stuff, and I think this team's going to be a major player in the uh, women's basketball season this year. And not no surprise that Scott Ruick is the winningest coach in program history. No, congrats, and coach. And now, yeah, and maybe congrats. already, and possibly should have been, but definitely now, and also forever, a Bebe's Hall of Famer. Forever. Sorry. Do I have to keep hosting? Can I go to bed yet? No. <laughs> okay, fine. Oh, my God. Me. And then also, <laughs> Oregon State men's basketball climbs back above uh, 500 with a uh, victory over UC Davis. Career night. For Troll Mariel, 18 and 12. Good showing back in Corvallis by hey. the Oregon State men's basketball team. Yes. That's the Let's type go. Of bounce back. We want to see after a tough road trip with losses to teams like Nebraska. Hey, more more, uh, more games like that from Troll are going to be huge for this team this year. Him finally kind of getting healthy and reaching his potential will be yeah. the linchpin of this season. Let's go. And he's being coached by a Bay Bay's Hall of Famer. So, you know, <laughs> reason reason for optimism. Damn right he is. Abound. We love Damn. you, Coach Tinkle. Don't don't get us wrong. Just <laughs> we love <laughs> I don't think there's a any there's a podcast out there besides the Peyton Years who loves Coach Wayne Tinkle more than we do. I think that's a very <laughs> safe bet to make. Maybe we should challenge. We should challenge the Peyton years to find out who loves Tinkle more. To a Tinkle love fest. I think together we, can do we that. well together we Tinkle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great minds think alike. Yeah, that's together been my that was my hashtag in like 2014. Oh, <laughs> Kia's yeah. been here for a long time. Together we tinkled all the way to the 2016 NCAA yeah. tournament. Ooh, yeah, we did. And then. <laughs> We beat Arizona that year. And as the painting years would say, it's a great, it's as good a time as any to remind you that Oregon State has been to an Elite Eight more recently than Arizona has. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yep. Big 12, big 12 you later, folks. It doesn't work for them. <laughs> yeah, it also doesn't work to it. save you from $200 million of missing cash. So good luck, yeah, Arizona. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not I good. heard. Sorry, I left a couple Yikes. million out of there, Terry. Forty million. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the benefits of saving two million earlier. Forty million. Oh man, it, Arizona, take that forty million and donate it to the Belligerent Beefs podcast, and we'll mm. use it in good faith. We in will. good faith. Yeah, and we'll buy so much beer and weed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, dispensaries, watch out. <laughs> we'll buy a couple of breweries. This yeah. means it is time to wrap up episode 119 of the Blizzard. It's like 99% of the time, I can't even go into the sign off because I'm laughing so hard. I think that's a good <laughs> sign that you're doing something yeah. that. You- 
you love. Oh my god, what a different tone from last week, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Oh my god, all happy things forward, onward, together. Though I do think last week's very downtrodden but also therapeutic episode helped pave the road for this week's more celebratory episode. Mm-hmm. Peaks and valleys. Important to remember that the highs are never as high and the lows are never as low. As long as we have each other, we can get through this together. Anyway, sorry for making it cringy for a second there. But <laughs> this podcast specializes in cringy. In cringy. Who, who fucking gives a shit? Thank you for listening to episode 119 of the Belligerent Beeves podcast. This special introductory coach edition special. We're playing in the Sun Bowl again edition special. It's the third time against the Irish. The crying Irish. The crying yeah. Irish. In Benny's town, El Paso. Even if... Benny can't afford the small fortune to get to El Paso. Jury's still out on that. <laughs> Benny's going to get there. Hit up oh, Benny for Ooh. for El Paso recommendations. Tex-Mex everything. Tex-Mex everything. Ooh. God, so, so good. So fucking yeah, best Tex-Mex is in El Paso. It's, it's, it's the part of Tex that's closest El Pas- to Mex. Geographically, it should be the best. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of the belligerent beefs podcast please if you haven't already take a moment to subscribe rate and review wherever you get your spot podcast podcasts modcasts whatever Ooh. spotify apple whatever luminary youtube anywhere you get your pod amazon google i'm just saying things now but wherever you get your podcast, there's probably a rating system and there's probably a review system. And we would really appreciate good ratings and good reviews, preferably five stars. And if you're able to add some pros and context, something oh. funny. And yeah, maybe we'll we love maybe we'll maybe we'll like tweet it. If it's like someone who like says something that's like funny but also charming, like maybe we'll just share that. We'll at least that's read it. On Apple. Well yeah. We'll read it once. And if it's great. We will send it to the group chat, which is made up of the three of us. Yeah. And <laughs> no, but we'll we will read giggle. it on the podcast. And we can read it on the podcast. We haven't done that before. I know we other should podcasts. start. We can add that. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Have we? Okay. We'll yeah. start reading. We'll start reading five star Apple reviews on the podcast. Yeah. And if you're on Spotify, give it five stars and then just tweet what your five star review would be. Mm. Yes. And maybe we'll read it on the podcast. Cool. I mean, if it's good. We will. I will. Anyway. And that Twitter handle or X handle or whatever is at Beeves on X, formerly known as Twitter. Belligerent Beeves on everything else. Basically, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Pretty blue rhino. Blue sky. Blue, blue rhino. The, Benny's latest. <laughs> Cash grab. So get get on Blue Rhino and file. <laughs> Find them at Seven Elevens. Yeah, and Belligerent Rhino, a new podcast for a, a sports team that's nickname is Rhino. I think there was one in any given Sunday. Shout out Jamie Fox and Al Pacino. That was a great movie. Uh, belligerentbeefs.com. dot com. dot com slash merch. 
Get your new Bray Area shirts, for gosh sakes. Get your life together if you haven't already. And please, please, please take the moment to share the show with a friend. We love making this weekly Oregon State-centric variety fun explosion show for you all. And the hype train really helps us grow the show a lot. Thank you mm-hmm. for everyone who helped make last week's episode the most listened to episode ever. Let's make this episode the most listened to episode ever. Joining me on this hype quest of Oregon State Athletics always is J.P. Bertram up in Portland. And on the ones and twos, he's the one always adding the five seconds to whatever random song pops in mine and Benny's and J.P.'s heads. And he's the one making it sound good on the back end on the ones and twos. You can find J.P. on Twitter at the Trio J. That's at the underscore Trio underscore j because he's too trill to be real and on instagram at jp bertram and of course up in tacoma who was in portland for a second and didn't tell jp about it and then went back to tacoma there's some beef about it that we're going to talk about when we stop recording uh, <laughs> benjamin lawrence sebastian rehage aka benny with the good quaff aka benny bellum because he's fucking crazy folks aka benny Bullcame, because you can't keep him away from el paso the mayor of El Paso, nope. El Capitan, a.k.a. It's me. Benny Burner and at Benny L1986 on your social media channels. And my name is Terry Horseman at Terry Horseman on Twitter at Terrence Horseman on Instagram.com. Follow me if you want to or not. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to get off this goddamn hellscape negativity train because it's all about positive vibes and good times on the belligerent bees podcast thank you for listening to this show and thank you for being part of the beaver fam and bringing the vibes and bringing the energy all season and all year long i know you're gonna keep it going i know we're gonna beat notre dame's ass in el paso on december 29th and i know for show that you will always always remember that no matter what happens you can't spell chop them without hope so chop them chop them chop them bray area and whether jesus is a soccer ball a football a touchdown or a galasso he's gonna be real sad this month (laughs) it's his birth month man